Again, welcome. And you're in the best place in the whole world. Couldn't find a better place to be. Hallelujah. Your hearts are full. So I am going to read from Matthew chapter 6. No, no, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And, and, and my message, like I said, part two from the long dark mile, he's in your storm. He's in your storm. So, but where I want to pick up from, because I got to explain the story, my, my text is to, if, for the purposes of writing your note, my uh, selected text portion comes from Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 52. But I have to go ahead of that in order for you to get the essence of the story. The, the key to this story is in the verses up ahead. So I'm going to start somewhere around verse 30, I think. Yeah. So, so here while, while I read, right? The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation. Just love to read from there. I'm in verse 30. So the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. There comes a time when ministry becomes so pressing. And this was a pressing time. There were throngs of people, hundreds, may I say thousands, because in that scripture there's a number given of 5,000 people were fed. So there were lots of people pressing on the ministry for help. And so Jesus had had a, a day of ministry. His disciples were having a day of ministry and they had ministered and they'd come back to kind of count their victories and salivate if need be, I guess, before the Lord. And, and, and this is what he says, you know, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. There needs to be a time when people like me or people involved in ministry need to know in the midst of all this fantastic stuff you're giving off, chill out yeah. step back so i'm following a biblical principle it's been a long night over the last year there's been lots of mental exercises physical the whole nine years trying to put out there train teach lead you know grow up discipleship leaders and god is like saying you know good ministry fantastic back off a little bit just step back so his disciples came to him and he says, let's take a little chill out session here and for a while. So he, he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostle didn't even have time to eat. Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have time to eat. You don't have time to think loudly before there's a call and something else is popping and you got to get involved. All right. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people, check this out, many people recognized them and saw them leaving. <laughs> and people from many towns ran ahead. It's like, oh, he wants to go take a rest. Ah, I know where he's going. Let's get ahead of him. So when he gets there, guess what he's going to find? Uh, more people. They, they all people are hungry for ministry. 
people want to have their needs met. People are suffering. People are having all kinds of crises in their lives and they want someone to touch them, someone to, to bring real Jesus with skin on to them and deliver them from their desperate conditions. So they run ahead and, and try to get a, a, ahead of him, uh, to get ahead of him. So Jesus saw the huge crowd and he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them, just like Jesus. Say, let's go take a rest. <laughs> and even as he's about to take a rest, he saw the crowd and he's like, you know what? This resting is overrated. I got a minister. <laughs> you know that? When ministry's, in you, when ministry's inside you, yes. I hope you could understand that even if you want to step back, there are some things that when it dials your number, you got to still break all that you said. You can't just see people suffering and say, well, I'm, I'm resting. No, you have to honor the whole thing about taking a rest. But when people are dying, how do you take that rest? You could scale back, right? You could be targeted about what you do. But you still got to have that thing inside you. So... Uh, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. This is the essence for what this story is going to be built upon. You have to pay attention to this section here. They said, this is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said to them, what? You feed them. Don't send them away. You feed them. Remember when he raised Jairus' daughter? First thing he said to, to her after he came back and he said to her parents, he says, give her something to eat. I just gave her life. You got to give her life-sustaining stuff. Uh, take a moment with that. I just brought her back to life. You got to now provide her with life-sustaining stuff. How to live tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and so on and so forth. Give life, people. People, give life. Give life. Provide life. With what they asked, we'd work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. And then Jesus said, how much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves, the two fishes, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving. He stepped, uh, oh, come on, you. He kept giving bread to disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets, leftover bread and fish, a total of 5,000 men and families were fed. See where I got the number from? The crowd was large enough to, there were 5,000 5, people that were fed. All right, so now let's go to the second part. 
where the script, where the text actually picks up from. Verse 45. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across to the lake Bethesda while he sent the people home. Underline that verse. That verse is the key. I hope I could blow that up for you here in a little bit. Jesus said, get back into the boat and go across the lake. Go over to Bethesda, right? That's what he told them to do. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Again, he is pulling back. We fed 5,000. There was food left over. And he's wanting to go to another place. He sends his disciples ahead of him. And he steps back again to pray, to regroup, to gather himself to get in touch with his father, to, to, to feel the need of the people and to be re-energized to, to be able to continue to minister again. So, um, where am I? Late that night, the disciples were in their boat. Check this out. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble rowing hard and struggling against the winds and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, I think the King James Version says, and in the fourth watch, that's a message, promise me, you're going to ask me to preach to you. That is one of the most impactful and powerful verses in the Bible. In the fourth watch. I will develop that at another time for you, but... Pay attention to that. Underline that. In the fourth watch, the time when there is the most demonic activities, the time when darkness sets in the most, the time when your illnesses are multiplied over and above, the time when loneliness and fear and depression and everything wakes you and haunts you. It's called the pre-dawn phenomenon. For those of you all who are not involved in the clinical or psychological or counseling practice, we got this thing called the pre-dawn phenomenon where people can't explain what it is. But right around then, every trouble, every turmoil, every pressure, every oppression just lands on you to set your day crazy. I'll get back to that another time, the fourth watch. <laughs> yeah, the fourth watch. Tell me what first I mean. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once and says, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed for they still didn't understand Underline this one. The first one you read earlier. Underline this one. <laughs> For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Yeah. Set your mind to thinking here. The first one was go over to Bethsaida. Second one I want you to underline. They didn't understand the significance of the loaves. Oh, I'm glad you're looking that way. I'll explain it. <laughs> Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Mm. I think the King James said, 
their hearts were hardened. Right? I'll explain that. <laughs> After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus as one and they ran throughout the whole area crying, carrying sick people on mats wherever they had uh, heard he was. Wherever he went in villages, cities, or countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who, were touch, all who touched him were healed. Lord God, open this scripture to our hearts this morning. Let this mortal being be filled with the spirit of knowledge to delve deep in and break open this kernel of truth, which has been a mystery and for some will still be a mystery. But Lord, make it plain today exactly what happened in that moment when you gave a command to go over to the other side, and when you said they had not understood the miracle of the loaves. Lord, open that to us this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name. All right, so let's get after it. Let's get after it. All right, the story that I just read comes right after the miracle of feeding the 5,000 men women, children, or who were there, right? Right after that, right after that, this thing happens. Now, pay attention to some things. The crowd was pressing. He performed the miracles. He asked for the bread. Well, he didn't know it was bread. He said, whatever you have, bring it. Let me see. He took what they had. He took what they had, and he multiplied it. He used exactly what they had. <laughs> we oftentimes discount what we have. Well, I could spend the next hour in talking about how we discount what we have. How we take for granted what we have. We're looking for something else, something better, something that's more, what, cutting edge or, or fits with the demands of the, the, the culture. And, and, and all you have is right in front of you. It's right there. You don't have to go find something else. What you have is right there. Take another look at what you have. Remember how I always train you all, read the scripture and read it again? And then you get something out of it. I was reading the scripture again this morning and two things jumped out and I wrote it down in my paper. It was right there. Two old new truths right there in the scripture. But look again. It's right in your face. It's in your face. So he asked what they had. They gave him what he had. He blessed it. He multiplied it. And he fed over 5,000 people. Great. Then he retreated to a hill. Now, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm so all worked up running to just go to that revelation, but I need to build this thing up. But, so bear with me. So he goes off to the other side of the lake and he sits down to collect his thoughts. But where he's at, he could see them from where he's at. Well, how you know that, Pastor? He said, I watched them struggling to row their boat. They were always within his eye shot. 
in the midst of their struggling and rowing and going against the wind, Jesus is up on a hill and he could see them. And he's looking and he's, he's seeing them struggle. But, but, but obviously from the chronology of the scripture, he didn't do anything about it. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? This was at the end of the day, the closing of the day. If you read the whole chapter, it was dust time. They'd been there all day long. He fed them. They were tired. He says, go home. See, you've got to really read the scripture and read the scripture, and then it begins to come down to you. So this is early evening, sun going down. Go over to the other side. He goes up in the mountain. He is able to see them from his vantage point working against the currents. He didn't do anything. Why well, he didn't do anything? Yeah, because down the road, somewhere around verse 40, he says, he says in the fourth watch. <laughs> so from since the evening time, when the sun was dipping and he saw them struggling, he chose not to come out on the water until the fourth watch. At their most difficult period and point in time where desperation would have set in and caused them to panic, it was then he decided to come out and walk on the water. So obviously he had been watching them for a long time. God only knows what you're going through. God only knows what you've been through. He's been watching your storm develop. He's been watching your difficulties. He's been watching your fight, your struggle. He knew what was going on. And yet he chose not to respond. And, and there's something key about that verse. Because when he did come out on the water, it says what? And he would have passed them by. Translate. He was not going to tell them to cry out for help. Until they recognized they needed help. He would have passed them by. You gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get this. He waited all this time, watched them in all this trouble. And then when he walked out on the water and got next to them, it says he was like just passing them by. Is anybody desperate in that boat enough to shout, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. He would have passed them by on purpose. How desperate are you this morning? How desperate are you this morning to shout out, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. I'm in a fix right now. Stuff is falling apart. My life seems to be going nowhere very fast. And based on what I see around me, the winds, the waves, the currents, the billowing, the angry song, based on what I see going on around me, I'm going to die. This thing is going to take me under. Can you imagine Jesus says, go over to the other side. Uh, I can't help myself. I'm going to just go ahead and release it and then build on it later on. <laughs> when Jesus tells you, go over to the other side. 
that means you're going to get there. You are caught up in the trials and the circumstance and the events of the turmoil around you and you forgot, he said, I'm going to meet you over there. Go over there. I will meet you on the other side of the lake. Friends, that is what we call a done deal. You're going to make it. I, God, the son of the living God says, go over there. I'll meet with you over there. You got caught in a wind and a wave and you are panicking for your dear life and forgot all about what he said. Go over there. I said go over. You're going to make it. So how many of you all here God gave a word? That you're going to be a preacher, you're going to be a prophet, you're going to be a leader, you're going to be a teacher. That was a word from God. But it doesn't look like it's happening, right? Because this door is shut and that door is shut and this thing ain't happening and that thing ain't happening. But you can't seem to remember there was a word straight out of heaven that says, this is what you're going to be. <laughs> it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Maybe not in your time frame. Maybe you need to get some stuff ready. You need to be re ready to receive, receive this fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This fire that's going to burn up everything in you and then make you fireproof after it burns up everything in you. You got to be ready for it. You got to use this time to get the asbestos thickly painted on to your body so you could withstand the heat that's about to come. You got to get ready because he said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And if you spend your time getting involved in petty nonsense, if you stand Spend your time getting involved in pettiness instead of preparedness. You will never be able to receive the promise that God said, go over there. Yes. This is a time of training for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is a season yes. you cannot be involved in and get caught up in stupidity. This is a season of awakening. Where you need to get yourself ready for when you get to the other shore and he gets over there to the other shore, boom, sparks takes place and the world is revolutionized. Your life is changed and you just went from a zero to a hero. Got to get ready. You got to get ready. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> And he would have passed them by. On purpose, Jesus watched his people struggling, waited several hours, and then in the fourth watch, decides to come walking on the water. You'd been with him all day long, right? 
You've watched him take some loaves and multiply them, right? And now you're in a fix. You are so consumed with your situation that Jesus is right next to you and you're shouting, Oh my God, it's a ghost. You didn't even recognize him. You see why he was willing to just walk by? <laughs> see why he was willing to just walk by? Because he knew that even in that moment, they were so consumed with their own suffering that they didn't even recognize him. And this is why he says, you forgot the miracles of the loaves because your heart was hardened. You got consumed with stuff. Your heart was hardened. Didn't you just see my provision early on a few hours ago? Didn't you see me take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 people? For God's sake, how in a short few less than a day can you forget what I just did? Your heart was hardened. You got caught up in stuff. That you didn't even recognize me. I was willing to test you by acting like I would just pass by because you're wrapped up in stuff. Wrapped up in nonsense. Nonsense blinded you to the point that you didn't even see me. And lo and behold, I was watching you all the time. Oh, take, a, take a moment there, friends. <laughs> I was watching you all the time. Now, I had said this before. And this morning as I'm tweaking, not like coming off of crack, but <laughs> I mean, tweaking my message. Now, tweaking is a term, right? Yeah. You know what tweaking is. I, not that kind of tweaking. I was tweaking my message. <laughs> And, and so, what was obvious to me back then was, here, is, here are God's people, here, here's Jesus' disciples, on the instruction, go to the other side, right? And they, they got out there, they're struggling, they're rowing, they're doing all kinds of stuff. The waves came up against them, and they're crying out, they're full of fear, and all that. And the thing that they thought was going to kill them, Jesus came walking on their problem, <laughs> Jesus was walking on the thing they were afraid of. Mm. Well, that's easy, right? Mm. I got that. That was a revelation to me. But this morning, when I'm tweaking, here's what's happening. He says, not only was I walking on their problem, the thing that they feared the most, I came walking on their fear. He said, but better yet, I stepped into their dilemma. What did it say? He said it, he got into the boat. Beyond walking on what they were afraid of, he literally stepped into their dilemma. He got in the boat, in the bucket of problems. He got in the midst of all the chaos and, and the, the, the thoughts raging and running wild and all that stuff that's going on there. He got 
into their dilemma. Not only did he walk on their problem, he got into their dilemma. Can I get a witness? He is in the midst of your storm. He's watching you. He is watching you. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. They failed to recognize the provision of God. It didn't happen in that moment. It had been happening all day long. If you were to take your life and do a backward look, you will see that God been multiplying loaves all along. So now this new circumstance, what puts this thing outside of the realm of his ability to make more loaves? What is different in this storm than a situation where you took nothing and multiplied nothing until it became something? 5,000 times over with 12 baskets left over. How do you compare these two circumstances? God is able. God is able to step into your dilemma. To walk on your fear and your problem. But not only that, but he can step in. He is right in there with you. In that. Listen. Look, look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. My God is able. My God is able. My God is able. By faith, I leave my stuff in his hand. Listen, guys, if there's anybody in this room who should be cowering in fear and in deep panic as to what's going on, there's stuff going on in my life that I wouldn't tell you. It's not my life that's feeling or anything like that or I'm living in sin. There are situations on the left, the right, the front, the back, the top and beneath that's pounding against me. And the only thing I know is, God, you got this. You got this what I'm going through is enough to break a normal man but I go to bed and I wake up and I go to bed and I wake up and I go one day at a time one step in front of the other trusting my God in this long dark mile that he is in the midst of my storm he is in the midst of my storm He's in the midst of your storm. Yes. Jesus told his disciples, go over to bedside. What he said, go back to your birthplace. Read the scripture. Simon, Peter, Andrew, Philip. This is where they were born. Now they've been following Jesus. They watch the loaves and the fishes. They watch all that kind of stuff. But they're still kind of earthly minded and earth bound. And Jesus says, there's a reason why I want you to go back to where you came from. I want you to revisit your first love. 
what it was like when you first met me. Oh boy. You're getting revelation this morning, aren't you? I want you to go back to your first love. I want you. There's a lot. Can I use the word crap? There's a lot of stuff that has happened to you and has clouded your vision and have taken you away from that place when you first met him and you have become so Christianized and so politicized and so accurate in all your political correctness and you forget that day when Jesus transformed you from death to life, from dark to night, from death you forget and I want you to go back to the place where you first met me go back to Bethsaida go back to where you had an encounter with me oh go back people don't get so overcome with the stuff that has stuck to you over the last few years don't get stuck with Christian people who act like the devil. <laughs> Don't get stuck with church stuff that is so. I gotta, I gotta check my tongue right at this point in time. <laughs> Parts of me just wanna say some things uncut, unloose, pure, raw, just like. Don't get caught up in the. <laughs> Bachelor of Science degrees, the BS. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Remember what it was like when I first met you. Remember what it was like when I first brought salvation to your home, to your door, to your life. Remember what it was like when you, when, when, when you, you, you laid it all down and says, I will trust you and I will walk in faith before you, God. Guide my life. Go over there. Go back to the birthplace. You're going to make it. I'm sending you back. I'm asking you this morning to revisit your roots. Revisit your roots. Go back. Go back. I will meet you there. I will meet you there. Somebody is having a revolution in their soul right now. Somebody. I will meet you there. There was a time when you broke. When life had overcome. And you met Jesus in salvation. And you said, I surrender all I surrender all to Jesus blessed Savior I surrender go back to your first place of surrender Go back. Go back. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Go back. Recreate the joy. Pull back into your conscious mind. Everything that happened in those early days when you trusted God and you believed God and you didn't know a whole lot and you weren't corrupted by all kinds of bad preaching and bad church and bad theology and bad experience and bad ministry. Leave this nonsense behind and go back to the pure, unadulterated meeting with God when he said, 
saved and transformed, you just go back. God sent them on a mission. Not a mission impossible. He sent them on a mission. See, God don't ever let his people stay too long in one place because that's how you, 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 you know, and I'm talking about a spiritual place. You got to get changed from, you know. There's a, there's a way in which God balances moving from blessings to trial. There's a way that God blesses in moving from blessings to trial. I know you want a perfect walk every day and you're bringing up sunshine every morning. That doesn't sharpen you. Go back. Go back. Jesus was sending them back to where they were born. <laughs> God wants to send you back to where life first began for you. Hmm? I don't know how long it's been for you. I was about 18 or 19 when it first happened. And I literally felt like I could walk on water. But between then and now, I sure walked through a lot of communion. And so God is even saying to me right now, uh-huh. as I step back, you've been through a lot of money, y'all. <laughs> I want you to go back. Go back to the days when you trusted me implicitly and there was no fear in you. You believe I could do anything. So much so, I remember telling you all about a story. One day I was coming from church on my way home from church and I saw a fruit at the top of a tree about a hundred plus feet up in the sky and I was so charged up and filled up with the excitement of God and I believe God in every way absolutely for anything and I said in my heart I want that mango and I walked under that tree and opened my hands and just stood there like that and waited and watched without a wind in the stillness of the day not a leaf shaking that thing just busted its stem and fell straight off the tree and in my hand And I caught it, and I walked away like, I can do that. <laughs> Ain't nothing to that. Right. Jeffrey, in the midst of all this stuff that's happening to you right now, all these matters pertaining to your life and your business and all that, can I just not pick another mango for you? Can I not cause another provision to just manifest in front of you? Can I not just take that stupid situation that looks so impossible to the eyes of men and cause something to happen that you will know that you will know that you will know that you will know this is God. And at the end of the day, all I have is to say, glory be to God. Amen. Glory be to God. So, so what's your situation this morning? What is your situation this morning? 
What is your situation this morning that is so big, so tantamount, so impossible that you can't see a way out? What is so big in your life you can't recognize Jesus not only walking on your problem but stepping into your dilemma? What is it? Your health? Your finances? Your relationship? Your children? Your ministry? I don't know. What is it? You write it on a piece of paper for yourself. What is your storm? <laughs> what is your storm? He is in your storm. What is your storm? Come on now, somebody. Don't be all quiet all at the same time. What is your storm? What it is that my Lord isn't sitting somewhere up on a hill watching you struggling and kind of going, when are they going to call me? When are you? No, no, no. I heard you. You said, Lord, I prayed. No, no, no. That's not what I said. When are you going to call me? When out of reckless abandonment to yourself and political correctness and all the people around you who you're going to think going to say this about you or watch this way or judge it, when are you going to let your hair down, let your mascara run, throw your hair to the wall, kick your shoes off and say, oh God, help me. Help me. Help me, Lord. There's a God that's watching you. Willing enough to test you by acting like he's coming to you, yet he would have passed you by, except that he's hoping that when you recognize it's not a ghost and it's him, you're going to say, help me, Lord. You think prayer has to be refined and political and accurate and grammatically correct and all that kind of stuff? If you saw a big 18-wheeler coming down the street and there's about 50 feet between you and that 18-wheeler, I don't think you're going to stand up. Thus, thou vehicle of strength and mass and power, I pray thee, God, that somehow the divine kinetic energy that moves you, you oh, God! oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> There's a time when you don't need pretty prayers. Stop with the pretty prayers. Your spirit and all that concerns you. Some too private to mention and I won't. But know that I know and not because you told me anything. But I know what I see in the spirit. And in the spirit I call for an end to your night season. You want your freedom to love God and serve him the way you, you want to go back to your birthplace. But there's been so much that stops and interferes with that and robs you of your joy and your cry and your long for God to take you back to the place where you first meet him. Where you could do the things that your heart says to do, but you're constrained by other elements in the name of Jesus. 
I stopped the night season. I stopped the night season. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. But for somebody crying out, Jesus! Jesus! Help me, Jesus! Help me, Jesus! Help me, Jesus! Save me, Jesus! And, 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 and what did he say? Verse 49. Let's read verse 49. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. Let me interpret that into 2019. Chill out, man. Chill out. There were reasons why they could have believed he was a ghost. It was the fourth watch. The darkest hours just before dawn. They probably couldn't see properly. But again, faith should have kicked in if you thought you saw a ghost. <laughs> he came at the time when vision is at its lowest point. When all of hell and the devil is roaming around the earth. In the fourth watch. When more spiritual activity takes place, I have pulled statistics from police departments to see when their crime is at the highest. Do you know that's the highest crime time? Everybody is in a slumber stage. That's when you're most weary. That's when you, you've worn the night, kind of looking forward to the new day, but want to kick in that last moment of deep rest. You're not too concerned about anything else. I just want to recharge my batteries. This is your most vulnerable time, the fourth watch. <coughs> he came when they couldn't see well. He came at the time when they couldn't see well in the fourth watch. And he said, be of good cheer. It is I. And no, you don't recognize me. So maybe if I say it is I, you're going to hear my voice. Oh, God. It wasn't okay to say, chill out. He had to say, it is I. He was creating recognition in the hearts of his disciples. If I say, it is I, even though you can't see, you know my voice. <laughs> you know my voice. You're going to get a hold of my voice in the fourth watch. You're going to know it's me in the fourth watch because when everything is knocking you apart, just to hear the Lord says, I am with you is all you need. I am with you. I am with you. He didn't say I bring this solution. I am with you. That's all I need to hear. I am with you. 
I have a lot to say, but I'm going to wrap up three things and be done because I think God has taken us to a different place this morning. God's provision is for your life. The reason why people are taken under by their trials and their storms is because they forgot the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Their hearts were hardened to the point that they could not give recognition to the provisions of God. I was about 14 or 15 years old. And where I lived, there was just one street that was about an elevation in a gradient of 1 in 10 or however you want to mathematically figure that out. But I would have been about 150 feet up and the main highway would have been 150 feet away down the hill at the end of this hill. And I had my pride and joy, which was this bicycle that I assembled. And so I like to, back then as a young kid, start at the top of that hill and go down to the bottom at breakneck speed, man. Breakneck speed, just like, just to freak people out. Right? right? And I would go down that hill. And this is the main highway between the major cities. And it's at the end of this street. And there's no barriers in that. You empty into that. That's it. And so I would ride down that street. And when I got right within about 10 feet from the highway, the thoroughfare, all the traffic, I would pull on those cable bricks. Back then, cable bricks was the thing, man. Cable bricks with the blocks. And you pull on that thing, and it'll lock up my back wheels, and I'll go like, and freak everybody out. And cars would be ducking and almost running into one another because there ain't no way I could stop at that speed, right? And God brought this back to my memory last week. I would go down that hill, I'd be up to about 40 miles per hour, get within 10 feet, pull them bricks, and that back wheel lock up, and I'd do my, do my evil can evil things. <laughs> and look at them like, what's up? <laughs> That's not the miracle. The miracle was this one particular day while my entourage was there watching my big evil Knievel feet, one of the guys pretending to be speaking to me came up to the bike and you know, he could adjust the brakes, adjusted, backed it all the way off. And I didn't know. I had no brakes. Oh God. Oh man. <laughs> no, it didn't work. What happened was, as I was about to take off, I heard a voice say, Don't go down that hill. Wow. Not today. Not today. Devil, not today. Amen. It was his joy to relish to watch me run into moving 
traffic and be mangled to a mess. But at that split last moment second, God spoke to me at 15 years old and said, not today. Amen. And I left the crowd standing and I turned around and I rode backwards and about 50, 60 feet going back this way, I pulled my brake and there was no brake. That's when I realized I need to check. He had backed off all my brakes. That day, the devil had planned to kill me. Not today. Not today. And God spoke to me last week and he says, you could have been dead then, but I let you stay around. Why can't I fix this? No, I fixed that then. I kept you for a reason. Devil wanted you going on that day. I kept you around till this day. What about today that I can't do that I did when you were 15 years old? You know what? Here are three things I want to close with. The trifecta of prosperity. One, he wants you to repent of your sins. Two, he wants you to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And those of you who were there yesterday will get this a whole lot more than the others as I talked about that. Repent of your sins. Baptize in the Holy Spirit. In, in, in water. And the third thing is, I want you to receive the Holy Ghost with all the evidences that go along with it, be it speaking in tongues or a changed life. Those are the trifectas that I set for this church today. Repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's it. Devil, not today. Not today. Come on, somebody. Not today. Devil, not today. Not today, not today, not today, not today, not today. Not today. Today, I am going to receive the trifecta. I'm going to receive the trifecta today. I'm going to ask God to forgive my sins. I'm going to ask God to create an opportunity for me to be baptized to me to be buried and risen to new life. And today, I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues or the power to change my life. Not today. Devil, not today. Not today, not today. Not today. Cry out. Cry out this morning. Cry out this morning. He would have passed them by except that he wanted somebody to shout. Somebody to cry out. Not today. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord.